Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 24-7 Sports Swarmcast, David Eichel, Sean Bach. The day before, Iowa hosts number four Michigan inside Kinnick Stadium. Obviously, biggest game of the season thus far. Fox's big noon kickoff is going to be in attendance as well. Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson on the call, but... Sean, this is a, a matchup that I think Iowa has had circled in their calendar basically since the day after the Big Ten Championship, months of anticipation, and uh, it looks like it's going to be another top five battle inside Kinnick Stadium. And it just it, it's almost weird, though, Sean, just the timing of this game because we thought that this was going to be the night game heading into the season. But then you look at, okay, three of the four games are in a night, a night game with Nevada – Rutgers and Illinois and the one game that's at 11 a.m. Is, is against Michigan. So funny how things can change. But we spent all week previewing this. Let, let's waste no time. Let's dive right into it. Very, very intriguing matchup from two almost polar opposite teams in, in a sense. Yeah, no, certainly. And you mentioned the night game, too. I think a lot of people are inside the Iowa program. We're expecting it to be a night game from a recruiting standpoint. There were a lot of recruits. I thought it was going to be that night game. So Iowa was going to have more guys on campus this weekend, but it turns out it's not a night game. And the visit list kind of seemed to, to decrease a little bit, which I mean, you'll have, there's, there should be later night games um, later on in the year. There should be no worries there, but still would have been a nice atmosphere to get some of those guys to. But in speaking of the game, yeah. There are uh, there's a lot more question marks going into this game than I would have figured. One of them being Michigan. I mean, they come up with these schedules years in advance, but they really haven't played anyone. I mean, Maryland was a tough matchup for them, but that's kind of telling you something. Maryland was really their first test. Maybe it was a wake up call. Maybe it was, hey, like maybe there's stuff we still need to work on and everything and I know J.J. McCarthy being the starting quarterback was something that you know this stat the Michigan staff was working on potentially before the season but still it just kind of seems like there are a lot of there are a lot of there are a couple ways that this game could go and no one really knows how Michigan is going to come out they return a lot of guys out on the perimeter Ronnie Bell Roman Wilson they have a couple tight ends Luke Schoonmaker I think his name and a running back in Blake Quorum so they have weapons but J.J. McCarthy, some of his pro football focus numbers have really kind of thrown me off a little bit. I mean, I know pro football focus is very um, exact with some certain measurements, but when he's blitzed, McCarthy is really efficient. But when the pocket collapses, 
that's when he really struggles. I think he has a grade within like the teens at that point. So that's going to be one of the major keys for this Iowa team going into Saturday is the pass rush, but also in terms of the offense, that is going to be the key for Iowa. I think the defense can hold up. We saw them hold up last year against Michigan. Granted, I thought Michigan was a more talented team last year, but the the offense is going to going to have to do something. Like I posted something on the board, and I know some people probably thought it was a dumb question, but I posted on the board how many how many points does Iowa's offense have to score on Saturday to win? And I know a lot of people are like, oh, they just have to score more than Michigan. But at the end of the day, it's like. No, really, like how much do they need to yeah. score? Because it almost seems you don't want to rely on your defense, but with the way Iowa's defense is played, it almost seems like they're going to get a defensive touchdown here or there. I think this game is intriguing on a lot of levels. As you mentioned, I think Michigan's non-conference is the weakest among Power 5 teams. I mean, Colorado State, Hawaii, Connecticut. You can't get much worse than that. But this team still has a lot of talent, Sean. Uh, Maisie Smith. I believe he's the number one freak on uh, Bruce Feldman's top 50 freaks list for the athletic preseason, 350 pounds. He's a refrigerator that can move according to Kirk Ferentz, Logan Jones and the interior offensive line have a big, big challenge ahead of them. I do have some question marks about Michigan's linebackers still. I don't think they're proven. I think Michigan's edge rushers, you got to give them a little bit of a break. You're trying to replace David Ojabo and Aiden Hutchinson. That's just an impossible task. That's like Logan Jones trying to replace Tyler Linderbaum at center, right? But McCarthy, by the way, first of all, McCarthy is a great, great kid. I know you you got a chance to cover him at least a little bit, or you're from the area where he's from, Sean. He's a really, really solid kid, really solid human being. And I think he's got a chance to be a really, really good quarterback as well. But when you talk about his strengths and his weaknesses, I think that plays perfectly into Iowa's hands because with Michigan's speed on in skill positions, I don't see Iowa blitzing a whole lot. I think they're going to let the defensive line work. And I think this defensive line is, I mentioned it to you earlier, Sean, they've played third fiddle this preseason, but you look at their stats and you say they're consistent across the board. They're getting production. So I think that's a very intriguing matchup with Michigan. I think that their number one task is going to be stopping Blake Corum, and we saw what he can do. I mean, you had 240-plus last week, nine rushing touchdowns on the season, had a 67-yarder against Iowa in the Big Ten Championship on that. I believe it was the second touchdown. I think the first one came on that trick play. But it's a very intriguing matchup from that standpoint. I'm very eager to see how Jack Campbell responds because we know how much how personally he took that game against Michigan because remember, the reason why Quorum scored that 67-yarder is because Campbell just missed the gap on a very, very rare mistake, and Quorum bounced it outside, and it was gone after that. And Kayvon Merriweather being a Michigan guy, I think he's going to have that secondary ready. But you look at McCarthy's tape from last week, Sean, he's a still really good quarterback, but there's still some things where if he does it against Iowa, you have to believe they're going to be able to take the ball away. I think there were times he held the ball too long last week. He fumbled twice on one drive. He, you know, for Michigan, they got it back, but Maryland's not going to make you pay. Iowa's going to make you pay. And I think that's exactly what the Michigan coaching staff has told the media all week is you can't make that mistake against Iowa. They're so good at making you pay. And it's, it's going to be up to Iowa's defense. I don't think to score points, Sean, but they got to put the offense in some positions where they can take advantage of it. I mean, that's why Iowa's offense was 
I think it was the same level as last year. I just think last year's team was more opportunistic than this year's team so far. Yeah, I think with McCarthy too, um, he can make nearly every throw possible. There's there's no doubt about that. And you mentioned it, Dave, decision-making from time to time. Maybe he tries to do a little too much. Maybe he really kind of just struggles in certain areas where Iowa can really feed into that. And you look at the numbers from last week, and yes, he had a good game, but some of them are misleading. In fact, that he had two, he had two fumbles. I think he was sacked for like 15 yards or something on a play that he could have easily just gone down and, you know, taken less yards, but he ended up, you know, trying to improvise and do, do that. And you can't really afford to try and do too much against Iowa's defense because they're going to find ways to, to make it hurt and really, you know, limit what Michigan can do offensively for the rest of the game. And I think McCarthy is a really good improviser, a guy that can move around the pocket, do a bunch of things with his feet you know, get outside the pocket. That's kind of a quarterback that Iowa struggles with a little bit. But it's 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 one of those matchups where, yes, there are things that favor Iowa, but there are also things where it's like this game could get uh, not out of hand, but I think Michigan could have control of, you know, the situ- or of the game and – or Michigan could have control of the game and control – you know, throughout the whole game pretty early if things don't go Iowa's way. Here's what I'm looking for, and I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about how Iowa can take advantage of Michigan. And Iowa's offense, by the way, like this is just something I would do because you, you look at what's been on the field product, Sean. There's no r- tangible evidence to believe that Iowa's offense is going to have a show-out game against Michigan, right? Michigan's secondary, I think, is very, very solid. I think they're reliable. I don't see Iowa taking as many deep shots as they have in the past two games, but I do see a couple, you know, think, Oh, things for opportunity for Iowa. Number one, Iowa has to run the football. They, they, they just, they have to run the football. I think the outside zone with the lack of proven edge rushers is a big deal. And their linebackers. I think we saw some good strides last week in that second half against Rutgers when they started off the first three plays, eight yard run, eight yard run, 21 yard run. Utilize that outside zone. And in a game that I think is going to be incredibly physical, I don't think Kirk's going to do this, Sean, but I, I do a heavy dose of Caleb Johnson. I know LaShawn's been a physical back. Gavin dances too much right now, and I think Michigan's off defense will make him pay. But Caleb has the size and the speed combination that you need to be able to you know rip off a big play against these sort of athletic teams. If I, I know you're putting a lot of tr- trust in that true freshman, but – I think that could be key. Another thing is, again, with the lack of proven linebackers for this Michigan team, crossing routes over the middle of the tight ends, maybe throwing a tight end seam, get Sam Laporte of the ball early and often, try to utilize the middle of that field. And I think that can open up the opportunity um, for Iowa to run the ball. I think this could be one of those games where Brian Ferentz has his outstanding game plan against top teams, and we see it work. And if it does work against Michigan, does that carry over into the rest of the season? You know, who knows? But those are two things I could think of off the top of my head where you sit back and say, Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. You expected someone else? So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. (laughs) Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You know what? Iowa's offense is improving, but there's still some matchups that you kind of like because I don't think it's an Iowa talent issue. I think it's been an execution and a scheme issue this entire season. Yeah, I think that first drive is going to be really telling for Iowa and the way that Iowa scripts it and if they can come out and build some momentum because I, I can't recall the exact what the first drives were in the last few games, but it seems like when Iowa gets out to a positive driver, at least puts points on the board on the first drive, that's when, you know, the offense really seems to be put together. And you can't you can't have those long stretches of poor drives. And one of the stats that I looked up this week, too, was Iowa has had 52 offensive possessions this year. Five of them have been scoring drives. Or I think there's more. Or, oh, man, let me look up this number real quick. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, it's an it's an interesting stat. And you know, again, you look at this Michigan offense, Sean. They got a lot of talent. They have speed and skill at wide receiver, but there's not a lot of proven guys. Ronnie Bell's obviously proven they have some weapons, but this is a, a talented Iowa secondary. And I'm very eager to see if Terry Roberts returns for Iowa's defense. I think, you know, if it's not the worst thing in the world if he doesn't, because Cooper's been so efficient at that at that position and Sebastian Castro, I think is going to have a huge opportunity to become a key part of this defense, especially with Justin Jacobs out for the remainder of the 2022 season with that injury. But, you know, I think Phil can get creative in this game and I think he's going to be very, I want to say very aggressive, but I think he's going to be harder on them than ever because, you know, I don't think there's a defensive coordinator in the country that takes giving up big plays and points more personally than Phil Parker. And remember, Phil Parker, you know, many moons ago was a three-time all Big Ten cornerback for Michigan State. Keyword Michigan State. There's a built-in disdain for Michigan. So combined giving up 42 points with that, he's going to be extra motivated this week against Michigan. There's no doubt in my mind that he's scheming together a couple interesting things that could throw off a young quarterback. Yeah, for sure. And here's the stat of the of the 52 drives that Iowa's had this year. Five of them have been over four minutes, and Iowa has scored on four of those possessions, including three of them being touchdowns. So five I drives think that kind of, more than four minutes. Yeah, that's that's, that's pretty terrifying. ridiculous. Terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yep. I mean, it, like it, it's not surprising since we've watched every game and every drive that Iowa's had this year, Sean, but at the same time, that's so mind-boggling because of how just crazy that is. Because Iowa's offense over the years has been built on time of possession, running the football. Iowa's not doing either of that right now. 
So that's that, that is quite a stat. And I think that's a big key of the game. Can you give the defense some some rest? Because I think if there's one thing you can't question about this Iowa defense other than being opportunistic, they're conditioned, Sean. I mean, they're on the field so much. Like, I don't think that they're going to be able to be worn out by Michigan's offense. But at the same time, you don't want to put them on the field for 40 minutes. Because if, if Michigan's offense is on the field for 40 minutes, Iowa's losing by 20, 20 30 points, right? Yeah, no, I agree. Another thing that will be an interesting battle, Michigan special teams is, I'm not going to say as reliable as Iowa's, but they're good all across the board, returning, punting, kicker. And this might be one of the few teams in the country that I think can match up with Iowa uh, on special teams. And, you know, Tory Taylor, for all intents and purposes, I think has been the best punter in the country. I think he's the best coffin corner kicker punter in the country. And he's almost like a 12th defender and something I'm interested in learning and talking to Alejandro Zuniga of our Michigan Insider site, Sean. This is, you know, McCarthy played in 11 games last year. This is his first true road start, number one. Second of all, this is going to be the first game where he plays all four quarters, which is wild. And you talk about going into Kinnick Stadium on primetime television. And something that I'm very interested in is does Iowa uh, give Michigan that north end zone in that first quarter? If Michigan gets the ball, do they try to rattle McCarthy early? Do, do the fans get riled up? Because I think that'd be an interesting tactic because McCarthy doesn't strike me as a guy. You could probably speak to this more than I can, Sean. McCarthy doesn't strike me as a guy that gets rattled by very much. No, he, he doesn't. And that's going to be – I think it's something that McCarthy will have to deal with for the first two first few drives, and I get it, like, they play in a really big stadium too, and it can get it can get hostile. But you know, it's a different animal coming to Kinnick. And the last couple out or the last couple games with Iowa being five and one against the last the last six games against AP top five teams, that kind of tells you all you need to know about what the what the state of the of Kinnick is during these types of games. And Iowa's going to try and come on rattle. I think they're going to try and throw different things at McCarthy. I don't like you said. I don't think they're going to be too aggressive with blitzes and all that, but I think there are there are things that they can do, different packages that they can throw, or different kind of you know versions of defensive schemes that they can do to make McCarthy uncomfortable and you know kind of make put him on his toes a little bit, keep him on his toes. So it's going to be it's going to be a battle that way. I think there is. You know, there are things that Iowa can do to keep this one close, and there's also things that they can do to not, you know. It's it's one of those, like you said, it's just one of those weird matchups. Two, a couple of things. One, Iowa's one of two teams in the country that has not allowed a rushing touchdown this season. It seems like every single <clears> – excuse me, every single year, Iowa's in that discussion. Two, it's very early, Sean, but this is something I was thinking about yesterday. I want your take on it. I feel like this Iowa defense is more well-versed than last year's defense. As great as last year's defense was, they had Jack Campbell, obviously. The secondary was ball hawking. The Doughboys was born. But Iowa can just do more. With the defensive line, how good the defensive line's been this year, it just feels like Iowa was opportunistic and their secondary was opportunistic last year because quarterbacks got impatient and tried to force plays that weren't there. Because Iowa's defensive line was so gap sound, but they lacked a true 
go get pin your ears back, go get the quarterback. Yeah, they had Lucas Van Ness, they had Joe Evans, but they didn't have a Davion Nixon. They didn't have an AJ Epinesa. They didn't have, you know, they quarterbacks didn't really have to worry about Iowa's defensive line for the most part, Sean. But you look at this year's group, and even Aaron Graves, I think, is going to start earning more snaps. Joe Evans has been good. John Wagner, I think, has been an underrated part of this defense as well with his ability to seal the edge and get home to the quarterback. Noah Shannon's played well when he's been in. And obviously, Lucas Van Ness has been a lot better than I think his stats have shown. I mean, he had nine quarterback, I think, pressures last. Something ridiculous like that. Led, led power five players. But do you think this defense is more well-versed than last year just because of the emergence of this defensive line? Yeah, I think that's been a big part of it. And also, I mean, coming into this season, I didn't think there would be a lot of issues um, depth-wise. And, I mean, one of them this year is cornerback. But I think with having Sebastian Castro up there, like you said before, I think this is huge because depending on Terry Roberts' status, then you can throw Cooper DeGene at that cornerback spot, have Castro up the cash, then have Riley Moss opposite of DeGene because, you know, with the depth you have right now, I mean, you have TJ Hall, a true freshman who, you know, received a lot of buzz. Iowa staff is really high on him. But do you want to throw him into the fire in his first game against Michigan, who has some pretty good guys on the perimeter? You have Jamison Hines, who is from Humboldt, who is a walk-on defensive back. I think he was a wide receiver initially. Um at the, at the backup cornerback spot, assuming that Terry can't go. So the only one I'm really worried about is, like, cornerbacks. That's kind of my thing right now. I mean, especially if Terry's out, I think DeGene and Moss are, you know, two guys, probably one of the better duos in the Big Ten. But I think, you know, if those guys go down, there, there are question marks behind them. So, I mean, defensively, yes, I think Iowa having a front seven that they have makes things a lot easier, makes them more effective defensively, especially I think having a really solid pass rush is what's really vital to this Iowa team because, you know, it's their defensive backs are predicated on them getting pass rush and them forcing, you know, quarterbacks and running backs, whoever, to make rash decisions, make quick decisions that they might not be comfortable with. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, I think, I think having a defensive line is, is the utmost important part for this team. And, you know, with the group that they had this year, too, I mean, there is so much depth. And seeing Aaron Graves playing limited snaps, I mean, he's almost had Lucas Van Ness type of year. And I think, you know, both their ceilings are really high. But I think Graves has just made a bigger impact so far than Van Ness did last year um, outside of those seven sacks. I mean, how many sacks has Graves had? Graves had either two and a half? Three? I think he's at two and a half, but it's been on much more of a limited snap count, and it really seems like he's been close to a few more, Sean. I mean, he has been an absolute wrecking ball in that middle. Yeah, he has been – he's been a load, man. They uh, – yeah. He's, 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 been, he's been fun to watch, but this game, Sean, it's – I know you've gone back and forth on it. I've gone back and forth on it. The reality is we don't know how good this Michigan team is. I mean, they're ranked number four in the country. We know they have a lot of talent. We know they're well coached. They know we know McCarthy is going to be a really, really, really good college quarterback. We know Corum, I think, is one of the most I think Corum's one of the most explosive running backs in the country. I think his speed sets him apart. He's only 5'8, but he's 210 pounds, incredibly strong lower body. And this is such a lazy comparison, Sean. But I see, I see Darren Sproles with Quorum just in terms of how much power he has and his decision-making and his agility. 
with, with having that, you know, extra kind of boulder like muscle, but let's dive into some of these keys and give our final prediction. I, I basically have said it for the offense, Sean, I think Iowa needs to run the ball. I think they need to get Caleb Johnson a heavy workload just because I think he's the most physical running back on this roster. I think he has the most explosive playmaking ability. And, you know, I'm going to go kind of off the board a little bit, and it's something I should have hit on earlier. This is a huge game for Riley Moss. This is an absolutely massive game for Riley Moss because Riley, with, with all due respect to what he's accomplished and what he means to this Iowa team in general – He's not had the year that people expect him to have. I mean, Cooper DeGene's been the best cornerback on Iowa's roster. Terry Roberts, when healthy, is probably right up there toe-to-toe. I think Terry's been very, very solid this year. A couple big pass breakups, a couple interceptions, been a physical, probably Iowa's most physical corner, I would say, Sean, at least from the line of scrimmage. Riley, if he wants to try to continue to build up his NFL stock, he needs to have a show out against top teams. This is primetime opportunity for him. We've seen Riley give up I, at least the one. I think both passing touchdowns have come against Riley, if I'm not mistaken. I know the one against Xavier Hutchinson was. I think the other one did as well. I'd have to double check that. But it just seems like Riley hasn't hasn't been as consistent as he was last year. Sean, do you agree with that? Yeah, Pro Football Focus says Riley was responsible for both touchdowns this year. Um yeah, I, I agree with you, and especially, I mean, against Michigan, what were some of the key plays for Michigan last year? Those were big chunk plays, and having that second line of defense with the cornerbacks and the safeties, those guys are going to come up huge. I mean, yes, in you know, not enforcing turnovers, that's going to be important, but also just in coverage in general and making sure that, you know, they're not, they're not able to allow those types of chunk plays. So I, I think Riley needs to have a show out game. I think this Iowa defense has to allow fewer than 20 points if Iowa wants a chance. I I, I think that's the magic number for me, Sean. It's 20. I, like, yeah. I'm not even saying if they hold them under 20, Iowa wins, but they have to hold Michigan under 20 if they even want a shot because I don't think Michigan's defense is as good as it was last year. I think Iowa's offensive line is actually going to have one of its better games, and I think it's going to help set them up for the rest of the season. Give the ball to Caleb Johnson, feed the tight ends, but you have to keep the defense honest and keep them around. I think Iowa is going to put McCarthy in a couple interesting scenarios. I think Iowa's defense will at least create a turnover, if not two, against a young quarterback. And it has all the makings for an Iowa upset, Sean. I, I just can't pick them. I picked Iowa in the preseason. Iowa's offense is so historically bad right now that even with the outstanding defense, number I think a top three, top four defense in the country, even with Torrey Taylor, the best punter in the country, the offense is just too far behind. You, 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 if, if Iowa even had a top 100 offense, I'd probably pick them. But dead last, and considering three of your opponents are Rutgers, Nevada, and South Dakota State, that, that's not getting it done. I think Michigan gets it done 17 to 13, but I think Iowa keeps it close the entire game. Yeah, I'm going to go opposite. I'm going to say 17, 13, Iowa. And a lot of, you know, the reason why is I think Kinnick is going to play a huge role, but you know, this is just me kind of just going on a limb. Honestly, I, I think it's one of those games that can really turn things around, but also I think there's still going to be some missing pieces with the program or with this team um, 
that are going to make this a positive. I think there's going to be a player too that where Iowa comes up big and, you know, I, I think it could go, I think it's going to be 17, 13, but I could also see where it's like say 30, 13 Michigan or something along those lines. It's, it's crazy. I mean, I personally, I don't see Iowa getting blown out. I think their defense is, I think their defense is better than last year with all due respect to how outstanding the defense was last year, Sean. But like I said, it, it, if Iowa loses this game, you're talking about the game of the season next week at Illinois. Iowa has yeah. to be Illinois next week if they want to salvage the season. Because, you know, with all due respect, I, never, I usually never write off Iowa before a game. There's no way they go into Columbus and win. That I, just, I, I can't see that right now unless Iowa makes a big, big jump. And it'll be coming off a bye week. But remember, Ohio State has the same bye week, I think, too. So that makes it even more interesting. But we'll see what happens. It's a, it's a big test. I think this is, you know, I think Spencer Petras's legacy is almost solidified for the most part, Sean. But you talk about if he wants to have a big senior moment or a big senior game, that this is it again against Michigan. But uh, I know we have so much preview coverage about HawkeyeInsider.com, 24-7 sports. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at David Eichel at SBOC247 and at Hawkeyes on 24-7. And we'll be back on Saturday to uh, digest and analyze everything that uh, that happens inside Kinnick Stadium. So, again, talk to you soon. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount+.